And welcome into another episode of the Hockey Hour on 91.1 WMUA Zoom Edition. We're all home except for me, uh, Andrew Golden, alongside Chris Vogel, Noel Glickman, and John Ruggiero. And guys, this is a great series against Providence, a big bounce back series. Uh, two two wins. They took five out of six points. They had featured two uh, third period comebacks, something that is very rare in in the late uh, Nate Lemon era Providence Friars. Guys, just your thoughts overall on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, <laughs> a really great series, Andrew. I mean, it, it was just, it was awesome, to, for lack of a better word, to see them or the Minutemen pull out a, a victory on Thursday. Lucas Mercury, final minute goal. I think all of Amherst heard me after that one. Hmm. And then, <laughs> and then obviously on Saturday, you know, a tough game. And uh, I, I knew province was going to fight back and they kind of did. Um, they had the lead until the third period and UMass was able to pull it out, but they've just proven. And I said it last week, this is a third period team and they've lived up to that um, name and they were able to sweep number five in incredible fashion. Definitely great in the clutch time. Four, uh, four nothing between the third and overtimes. But I think the thing that was great to see Ryan Ufko scored a pair of key goals, the power play to tie it up in on Saturday or on Friday, and then the winner on Saturday in overtime. You need your studs to be playing well to succeed in the Hockey East. And that defensive pair, the two top defensemen you have, even if they're on the same line at times, Ryan Ufko and Scott Morrow had a great weekend. That's kind of your difference maker going forward when you play some of these high-powered offenses you're going to see down the stretch. Yeah, something else I definitely want to mention was uh, Saturday. Uh, of course, it was a really tough game with Michael Cameron leaving the game early. And then, of course, Idar Sunyev taking that 10-minute misconduct and then being forced to leave the game. So, and Owen Murray, of course, not playing that game as well due to a, a small injury. Coach Carvel said that him and both both him and Michael Cameron are day to day, so they should be okay. But what I was really surprised about was the umph that this team had and that how they were able to come back. You know, they really weren't playing well at all. It was really just a game that was all over the place. They were giving up bad turnovers. They weren't handling the puck well at all. And frankly, they were just letting Providence walk all over them. So I think that the way that this team was able to come back from that, and, you know, as Coach Carvel said, they're a great group of kids, and he had a lot of trust in them. So the way that they were just able to come back really surprised me. And you know what? I was worried that whole game. But, you know, especially with Jack Musa and Ryan Ufko scoring those two goals, you know, it was really good to see. Noah, you mentioned the comeback, the ability to come back, and you, you mentioned it to within the game. But how about week to week? You know, after that, after that clunker against Vermont, uh, especially with Michael Probel, it had some some people uh, on their heels about Michael Probel and about his ability to maybe come back from that. Uh, Coach Carvel said he wasn't concerned, and then today on on at, at media he he repeated that he said he was not concerned. And he was very expectant of a comeback performance by Michael Hrabel. And that's exactly what happened, saving, I believe it was 53 of 56 shots on the weekend. His ability to just bounce back from the first really real clunker of his NCAA career. 
Yeah, and I also want to mention that that game on Saturday, he tied his career high with 32 saves that game. But I also want to mention that's what makes him such a great goaltender. That's really what makes him stand out from the rest. His ability to come back from those bad games. Every dog has their day. Listen, you're going to have a bad game once in a while. It's just going to happen. But what makes you a good goaltender and what makes Coach Carville not as concerned with him is the way he's able to come back from that. I think that's just simply what makes him stand out from the rest is just his ability to regain that momentum, to work really hard at practice, and to just come back from it. You know, I... uh of course, you know, Andrew, you were on the show last week. I was a little bit uh, concerned about uh, what happened after Vermont. You can listen to that on Spotify. Uh, and you'll see me, Jacob, and Andrew's thoughts. But that isn't what matters anymore. What matters is that he came back and he did what he had to do. And UMass was able to get the sweep off of a, another great performance out of a young goaltender. You know, he's a young guy. He's only 18 years old. And he's going to have his moments. And he he may have had a pretty bad one against uh, Vermont. But what the big thing is that he came back and he did what he had to do. And he'll keep moving forward. That's a great point with how young he is. You know you're not going to get that consistency when you're playing an 18-year-old in net in the NCAA. But the ability for him to bounce back and prove that he's not going to let one bad game take him for weeks on end is huge. Because, you know, it's going to come up again. He's not going to be lights out every week, every game from here until March. So, you know, you can feel more confident in him now that, okay, he had a rough Friday night. We can still roll him out there on Saturday and know that he can put that behind him. That last night doesn't really matter. He'll be back to what you need him to be. I think that's huge for his development. It's going to let him get more more, uh, playing time and it'll pay dividends down the line. And I I know that, it keeps getting repeated on this show um, elsewhere that it's something that UMass hasn't really seen for the last couple of years, ever since their, their championship years, you know, they, a goalie's ability to bounce back from a, uh, a lesser performance. Um, you know, it, the, the last couple of years, if one, if a goalie had had a bad performance, it would shake the team up for weeks. And, you know, it, when when Harable had had the not so good of a game against Vermont, it was probably like a oh here we go again situation. But you know it it, it seems and obviously Harable is you know much more highly touted than any other goalie that they've you know put out there in the last couple of years. But it it still speaks volumes for his ability to just keep going no matter what. And I think that's part that's just part of why he was drafted as high as he was yeah if i may be just a tad bit critical here he didn't look the best to start thursday's game he gave up i said this to you i believe over the weekend andrew yeah Um, i think he did yeah he gave up a, a couple rebounds that probably shouldn't have been given up um obviously it didn't come back to bite him but he looks a little bit shaky starting out in these weekends. And I think just getting into the game and as quickly as possible, trying to just get into a flow. And once he does that, he's great, but seems he, he has a little bit of nervousness um, to start out these games, unfortunately. Um, but I really think also we could be completely talking about a, a completely different story right now. 
if it wasn't for him. But these were two very close games. They could have gone either way. Obviously, UMass came out on top and they jumped up four spots in the rankings. But this wasn't a, you know, a, a sweep that was dominant by any means. And there's still some work to do, in, in my opinion. That's very true, John. I, I do believe it was a pretty hard fought uh, set of games. And I, I think that's why Providence didn't really take the hit as much in, in the uh, USCHO polls, because it's like you said, it wasn't just a clean sweep, you know, up and down front to back. It, it was it was a really hard fought set of games. And UMass just happened to come away with five of six points. I don't think that Providence played poorly. I really don't. I think they played really well. And Nate Lehman even said that after the game on Saturday. I think we played really, really well. That's what he said. But it was just kind of the push by UMass at the end of these two games because for most of both games, it was very close. Um, It it was tied for most of both games. So it was the push by UMass at the end of these two games. So I think what they need to figure out how to do is to have that push more consistently throughout the game. And then I think it would be more of a dominant performance as, you know, we may have wanted to see. But um, certainly I think that it was a it was a really hard fought series by both teams, which is why, you know, as you said, Andrew, Providence didn't take as much of a hit as we thought they would in the polls. I thought it was interesting. Didn't punish them more in the polls? Yes, they looked good, but you still lost two games to a team 10 spots below you. And even after, they don't, they don't think Providence and UMass are in the same category really at all. If you look at that points, uh, Providence is over 600. UMass still in the mid to high 400. So huge difference between the two. Would have thought you'd seen those a lot closer, if not UMass over Providence. But it's essentially that tier of the top nine teams of the country, uh, pretty much pulling away from everybody from 10 down, starting with Maine, UMass, New Hampshire. So kind of just those two tiers developing, and they didn't think a five out of six point weekend was enough for UMass to make that jump, which I think you can debate saying that you just saw head to head. How can you say Providence is the better team when they've got a similar resume, but lost the two games? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it. I mean, it, it's 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 really similar teams. Carve Carvel goes on and on about how when you know, how, how the similar the two teams are, how he modeled, he modeled his team after uh, Providence when he first got the job at UMass. Um, but I think that, I think that's just the nature of the USCH Opal um, is that the teams don't take drastic leaps, you know, unless it's like pretty early in the season. Like we saw Minnesota state go from like 32 quote unquote to, to 19 uh, we saw New Hampshire take a similar jump, so I, I, I think that's just the way of the, the the way of the pole, so that you won't see a a fifteen jump over a five, even even if they sweep them, you know. But I, I think that's just it's going to sort itself out eventually. I think. I think they just look for consistency, you know. Like if they have one bad series, and you know, for Providence, I wouldn't even call it a bad series. I would just call it a bad last few minutes per game. Really just because, you know, they, they as they as Coach said, they played great. And I think Coach Carvel even admitted that too. You know, they played really well. They're a hard team. They're, they're a good team. And I think that USHO sees that. And I think that they want to see consistent, like, 
downfall in play in order to really make that jump for them. So I think that, you know, it, it was, it was kind of, I was surprised that UMass didn't really scratch the top 10 because I thought that they would after this weekend. But I mean, I, I guess it's going to have to take a little more from UMass to really scratch that. Let's bring this conversation back to UMass a bit. We've talked about how this series wasn't necessarily outplayed by either team, but the fact that UMass was able to come away with five, five of six points, does that, you know, prove something that they can hang with teams in contested games or maybe games that, you know, they don't play their best in? I think it does. I mean, I I feel like I talk a lot about what happened at Michigan, or not at Michigan, against Michigan um, in the second game, but they fought back like I'd never seen a, a team fight back before. And I've said it all season, this team has the fight and they have the want to win. And they're going to win. Whether it's, you know, whether they drop a few games or not, they're going to get these big time wins and they're going to get some points and they're going to keep moving up the the rankings. I'm not, I'm not sure what the ceiling is, but I mean, I mean, obviously they're not too far from <laughs> the top, but, uh, you know, they're going to win some more games. And th- this is a, a just a good hockey team that I think still has some things to put together. Um to really become a powerhouse. They've certainly got a winnable schedule coming up, which kind of lets you prepare for that tournament where against Cornell and possibly Arizona State. And then, of course, late in the season, some big-time Hockey East matchups with Maine, BC, New Hampshire. But, yeah, if you keep winning, you'll, you'll take care of business. That's what the test is. You just had a great weekend. You now you play a Harvard team that's struggling. Can you build on that? Can you build on your good weekend, not have a trap game against Harvard, show up and play well and just keep that momentum? And I think, yeah, to add on to that, it's like what what you see from a great team is not only their ability to build off good momentum, but their ability to build off bad momentum. And I think that's what they saw, you know, as well from Vermont. You know, they had a great first game and then the second game, they really didn't play well at all. So I think that their ability to go into Providence, a top five team at the time, you know, and build off of that bad game and come out with the win and build off of, you know, even the bad momentum that we may have seen in that game, you know, when they weren't playing so great at some times, I think their ability to build off that is what makes them a great team. And as coach Carville said, a special group of kids. Is it like a, is it like a balance of bounce back versus compete? Is, is that what you're going for now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to see not only you want to see, you know, not only do you want to see hard fought hockey every single game, but you want to see their ability to go from a bad game to a good game. And you want to see that push after that bad game. So, yeah, I, I would say it's a good balance between the two. That's what makes a good hockey team, in my opinion. Which one of those do you think is more important? Uh, I would say probably bounce back because with bounce back comes compete. And I think that if they're, if they have the ability to bounce back from bad series, then they're going to bring that compete. They're going to bring that compete into the game. So I think that what they really have to do is have that ability to bounce back 
first and foremost, because if they don't have that ability to bounce back, then they're not going to play well, simply put. So I think that they have to have that ability. They also have that, I mean, I kind of just said this, but they also have that bounce back ability within the games, not only from game to game, but within the game. And they, they've come from behind numerous times already this season. And it's about just hockey East is not easy by any means. And UMass, while they may have a, a winnable schedule, they have a lot of teams that they're going to have to still go through, like BC, that it's going to be a fight a huge fight and it's that um i was thinking about a quote from aaron bollinger um that they talking about the northeastern series or game that they didn't uh come into that game with as much preparation or fight as they probably should have because northeastern doesn't have as high of a profile as let's say providence so it's about you know, fighting back when necessary. And also, I think just not taking any team lightly. Um, and maybe that's a good segue into uh, who they have coming up against Harvard. But yeah, it's, I think Jacob said it last week, it's the ebbs and flows of a hockey season. You're going to have some bad games, you're going to have some good games, and, you know, going to build off the bad ones. Of course, a lot of this has to do with momentum, but um, we've we've seen uh, this team try and balance the physical play with, you know, towing the line penalty wise. And obviously it, it, it bit them a bit in the second game with Idar Sunyev having to take a five minute and a game penalty for kneeing. Um, UMass was able to kill that off, but those kinds of those kinds of plays can kill a lot of momentum, um, guys. What what do you what do you think needs to be done about that? Stuff's going to happen, and it, it's about uh, getting through it. And that's exactly what they did on Saturday. You know, the, a lot of unfortunate. That was that was a crazy game. That, that was one of the craziest games I, I've ever been to. You had, you know, a couple injuries. Um, obviously, the uh, that uh, Providence player had a pretty uh, big injury, had to go to the hospital, which delayed the game for a while. And then you, you had Michael Cameron go down. You had uh, Yoder, the captain for Providence. He went down. I think he went, he came back. But after, that was due to the uh, kneeing from Sunyev. And then, uh, obviously, Sunyev was uh, thrown out of the game. So, I mean, you said, Andrew, momentum is a huge thing. And, Sometimes, <laughs> this is kind of a, a weird note here, but sometimes killing a five-minute major penalty brings lots of momentum. And maybe that's exactly what happened um, on, on Saturday. Obviously, you don't want to take a five-minute major penalty, but it gave them a lot of momentum, and they were able to come back and win the game. And I think something else that's important, too, to mention is – you know, Coach Carvel's not as worried about their penalty kills as he's worried about their power play. And I think that, you know, they don't bring as much on their power play. I think they try to make plays too much rather than actually trying to just get the puck down deep and get the puck on net to try and score. So I think that's important as well. But also something else is that, I mean, they had a lot of unnecessary penalties this weekend. I mean, out of both games, they took three too many men penalties. 
I mean, that is a penalty you have to avoid. You know, that is just a penalty that you cannot take. And listen, their penalty kill is very good, but taking three too many men penalties is just un it's just unnecessary because you have to try and avoid taking, you know, a a, a very minor penalty like that. And that's a penalty that could be easier to avoid than other penalties, you know, such as, you know, maybe kneeing, you know, maybe Idar Suniev was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I, I think that taking penalties like that is something that they have to work on. No way, you stole my point. You can't take three in a weekend. <laughs> it's something that's easily correctable, just an inexcusable mistake. Okay, if it happens once, but when you get multiple in a game, it's an issue. It's something that's completely controllable. It's not like you're wearing a trip or your stick's in the wrong position. And there's kind of nothing to do about it. But, yeah, just a bad look when you come in, especially at home, and have two in a game, and it's not ideal. But then just to circle back to that major, I think they benefited from when that call was. It was so late in that second period. It was essentially like killing off two minor penalties in a row, about two and a half minutes yeah. each, instead of having to go five minutes straight of action, five on four. They got that break in between the reset and come back and kill the – last two minutes and 20 seconds or so. And I think that happened a couple weeks ago. I forgot who it was against. It was either against BU or Northeastern, but they took a five minute major and it was in between, you know, like there was like an intermission between. So coach said it was literally like killing off two penalties. So I think that, yeah, that's a benefit. That's a benefit for sure. Yeah, um, definitely for sure it is. But I'd, I'd like to go back to the, uh, the too many men penalties. There were three of them in that game. You mentioned uh, UMass took three on the weekend, uh, but it, it. I was I was looking back at that game, and it almost looked like that linesman was looking for it. You know, he, I mean, he called two 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 on UMass. He called one on Providence. I mean, I guess you know if if you if you can see that the the linesman is looking for that then you should probably be more aware same in the in the games where you know a certain hockeyist official refs the games i'm not going to name him but I, I i know who he is i i can i can name him if i want to i'm not going to um but when all of a sudden sticks start start going flying you know it's like you, you, some some of that is you got to be aware of that too that's true, but all three of those came in pretty much the first half of that game. The third one was just 26 seconds past the midway mark. So certainly he was looking out for it, but UMass in particular, where you got two of them, you have to be watching out for that, and you already had one previously. Providence, that's the example, okay, it happened once, it happens occasionally, whatever. Just you got to adjust for your UMass. You had that first period happen pretty quickly, and then do it again the next period, so you had an intermission to talk about, and you just didn't really address it. And, when I'm putting the same penalty. So we got, we mentioned earlier about, you know, not taking any teams lightly and we saw how that could come back to bite them a bit in the Vermont series. Um, but I don't think Harvard is exactly this kind of team. I obviously they were in the NCAA tournament last year. They got smoked in the first round by Ohio state and they did lose a lot of talent but this is still a Harvard team that has had a very successful past. And I don't, I don't think that's something that can be overlooked. They've had a successful past, but it's kind of been the Ivy league schools as a whole that have got hurt the last couple of years. 
it's a very young Harvard team. The Ivy's allowing fifth-year seniors, but it's kind of discouraged. There's not that many of them. I haven't looked that in-depth on Harvard if they have one or not. So you see a lot of these guys graduating after four years transferring and play somewhere else opposed to sticking opposed to other schools where they'll stick around for a fifth year or they'll take the fifth year transfers. The Ivy's not really doing that, especially that comes into play for Harvard, of course. Uh, and just been a very young squad where that'll kind of reset next year or two years when those guys age out. But it's been a rough, rough year for them because of that, I feel like. Yeah, I mean. Just to re quickly recap their schedule, they they tied uh, Dartmouth, Princeton, and Colgate. Um, believe they won one of those three games, so they have a total of uh, seven points on the season. But they, uh, on top of that, were completely killed by uh, Quinnipiac, six to zero, the final there. But their last game, they won against Cornell at Cornell, three to two. So that is a huge victory for. Uh, the Crimson coming into a one-off game against UMass. So both teams coming into this uh, one-off game, Black Friday game, with a little bit of momentum. Um, we'll have to see how that translates. Obviously, Harvard, they, they've had a tough season. They're fighting for any points they can get, especially since they lost a lot of players. So uh, I think it'll be a good battle. You, you talked about, oh, don't want to take any teams lightly. Harvard's still receiving uh, votes in the uh, poll, I, I believe, if I am remembering correctly. Not sure why. They've only had one win on the season, but, well, two wins, I guess, if you're counting a shootout win. Something that is important to remember is that the Ivy League starts really late as opposed right. to their team. So, obviously, uh, you know, UMass has played 12 games. Uh, Carvel pointed that out today. You know, they're eight, three, and one. Harvard, they can get they're one, one, and three. They've only played five games. Exactly. So their season is still really young. This this is like for Cornell, this is like kind of a, a similar part of the schedule to where UMass was when they were playing like Michigan. So I I think obviously Ivy League being the way it is, I feel like that could it's part of the feel out process I, I i think but you know um we we still i still don't think we really know what team what kind of team they're going to be yet and we don't uh, and, and my next point was going to be that their goaltenders the the goaltenders that they've started as you said Andrew were pretty even so they have um De Derek Malahi i think you say his name and um, Aku Kaskinvuo. <laughs> so between those two, I mean, uh, Kaskinvuo started two and Malahi started three. So it's pretty, they, they've, they've, they've had their goaltenders, you know, evenly, evenly started. So I think that, again, we don't really know what's going to come from this Harvard team, especially with their goaltending. But both goaltenders have been pretty solid. I mean, um, Malahi has a 2.92 uh, goals against average. And Vuo has 2.77. So I think they're both, they have pretty solid goaltending. So I think that's something that UMass has to watch out for. I will say, I think uh, it's most likely we'll see the Finn on Friday. That's what they tend to do when they've got two weekend games. And I think he's their better goalie. Uh, got some world juniors experience playing, started two games for Finland last year. 
Uh, he's looked solid, almost a 920 save percentage. So we'll see if he get if he ends up winning this job outright or they opt to split them again between Harvard and BC. But just the two starts, he hasn't lost a game in regulation going for a tie in both. I mean, I remember watching the World Juniors uh, last year, and that's the only reason why I remember how to say his name, because watching uh, Kenny Connors and Ryan Ufko, they played Finland, Team USA did. Um, I believe they, they beat them for a bronze medal. But, yeah, I mean, this is a kind of like UMass. Obviously, you know, it's Rattles net for right now, but... This looks like a bit of a split goaltending room in Koskinvuo. You know, he's a he's got a high profile. Um, being a Harvard man, he's you know <laughs> played on a World Juniors team, so he's uh, that goalie room something to watch out for. To me, guys, I think the the biggest difference is that this this weekend on Friday, I think we're going to see uh, how how much of a difference three skaters from last year's team that are not on this team are going to make Henry Thrun, Alex Laferriere and Matt Coronado. Those are like on paper, those are huge losses. And, you know, obviously it's still very young in Harvard season, but those are three guys that really contributed a lot to their NCAA tournament run. And we'll see if, you know, we'll see how good they are without him. Three guys that had huge impacts on that team just top down last year. Uh, Buffier just giving me flashbacks to the bean pot. Uh, he was he dominated that game when I got to see him, and just he played great throughout the season. I think they struggled to replace him, and honestly, maybe they find the answer later this year. But at least early, they've struggled to score at points without him on the ice. They don't move the puck as well. Just not as great of a, just not as lethal of an offense as you saw last year. Yeah. And I think, I think you see that looking at their box score for, for the whole season, nobody on their team is point per game. Uh, there's a four way tie for first place in point scoring between Joe Miller, Ben McDonald, Ryan Healy, and Philip Tresca. They all have four points in five games. So obviously it's been tough to find offense for them. And, you know, that, that might signal that these are bigger losses than you might, might expect. Maybe not bigger losses than you might expect, but that they really are taking a toll on this year's team. Right, Andrew. Um, but as you said, you know, it's still a very young season for them. And it could take a little while to for them to adjust to those losses. And it could take them a little while for them to really build up their squad and, and adjust to this new team that they have, this brand new team that they have. So I, I think it's it's a little too early to maybe point that out very specifically. But you're, I mean, you're right. You know, it's definitely not going to be the same team that they've had in the past. I mean, you look up and down the scoring sheet, there's only one guy that has a positive plus minus, and that's Michael Callow. So this is a team, they've allowed 15 goals through five games, and they've only scored 10 goals through five games. So a lot of minus, which is really interesting because that's not that huge of a, of a gap, but 
they allow some goals and they they score some goals, but you know they, it looks like it may be a, a low scoring game, and they're, they're going to rely on guys like Joe Miller. He's got three goals and assists, um, a power play goal as well. So you know they they have some firepower and just can't be taken lightly at all. They just kind of had those two games that were high scoring the first weekend in November, Prince and Quinnipiac, 4-4 and 6-0. Outside of that, everything's been low scoring, as you guys said. No no teams got over three individually, and that was the 3-2 over Cornell. So could very much come down to the goaltending or come down to a power play opportunity that some team converts. It's going to be very important to be disciplined because you're not going to want to give up power play opportunity when you might be in a one goal game and trying to win something two to one just can't give any cheap goals away we have seen it come down to goaltending a lot so far in this early early season for umass so we will see if it comes down to that again um what i will say though is that you know it it reminds me that looking at harvard's schedule a little bit it kind of reminds me of BU at first. Obviously, BU was, you know, preseason number one, got all these flashy players, Celebrini, Hudson, you know, but they came out the gate struggling. And, you know, we we could we may have found out later on that it was due to some teams performing better than expected. But then there's the series before uh they they played UMass. I believe it was Quinnipiac that they smoked, right? Or was it, or, or was it the second half of the of the UNH series that they wow. they really that they really turned it around? And I remember saying, you know, did that wake BU up? And it appeared to have woken BU up. And I wonder if this three two win over Cornell, who was ranked number seven at the time, is going to be a similar game in Harvard season. Yeah, for BU, Andrew, it was the second half of the uh, Notre Dame series. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I believe there was like an 8-2 to two final for uh, Boston University there. But, yeah, a huge win last time out for the Crimson over number seven Cornell. Um, so the, they're going to fight, and they're, they're probably figuring out how they're going to mesh together as a team. It, we're, we're trying to figure out how they're going to mesh together. They're probably trying to figure out how to, you know, get, get stuff going themselves. So a uh, couple notes here, they've given up a, a ton of shots on that 70 more shots than they've taken. Um, and they've also lost 70 more faceoffs than they've won, uh, which is, I mean, it seems like a kind of like a meaningless number, but if you've only played five games on the year, you know, that, that that's a pretty big margin right there. Um, and that, that could play well into, you know, obviously UMass has done pretty well in the faceoff dot. Guys like uh, Lucas Vanderboys have uh, taken advantage there, and that could lead to shots on net as well. So faceoffs are a big part that, I, according to Harvard stats, I expect UMass to lead in that uh, stat category, and uh, that could help the Minutemen get the victory it is definitely one of the most underrated stats of the game right because you win the face off then that's possession right right away you, you don't have to do anything to gain possession you you already got it um and i think that's why coach carvel puts such a 
you know, high precedent on, uh, on face-offs. Uh, he brings in guys that can win face-offs like Lucas Van Robois, like Lucas Mercury, you know, pretty much all the way down. And he talked about Liam Gorman can do that too, even though he hasn't been, he, he was scratched the last couple games, but UMass has a lot of players that can win face-offs. And it, when it, when it's that big of a margin, if that continues, that can probably be a pretty big deal. Just certainly two contracts and styles, as you said, in terms of the face-off success. And yeah, yeah, that's going to come into play definitely in the offensive defensive ends. Sure, UMass can be a little more liberal, just icing the puck if you absolutely need to, feeling confident you can win a face-off, opposed to Harvard knowing you're going to have to win from live play or force turnovers to get the possession, opposed to just counting on a face-off win to set up an offensive opportunity. So it is definitely going to be a hard-fought game, as we have mentioned here. Uh, you know, probably going to come down to one specific player. Uh, if you guys want to go around, uh, talk about who, who that might be. Um, I'll start. I'm going to go with former Harvard commit. I don't know if you guys realize this. Idar Sunyev. Uh, he was previously committed to Harvard. Uh, flip to UMass and you know he's probably gonna come up mad about getting kicked out of the last game so I, I wouldn't be surprised to to see him get on the score sheet against the uh, against the team he had formerly committed to I'll go with uh, Taylor McCarr he has one goal two assists I mean he's got to get on the score sheet man it, it, it's tough to see where he's at right now, only three points through 12 games after he led the team in scoring last season. Uh, it's a high-profile guy that isn't producing. And obviously talks about not taking Harvard lightly, but against a, for right now, subpar team, as far as we can tell, it's a that's a this is a game where Taylor McCarr could really take off and look for him to maybe get on the score sheet. I think it all starts between the pipes. I'll go Michael Hrabel. Uh, good weekend last weekend. I think if he can uh, follow that or, yeah, follow that up with another strong performance, UMass will have a good chance. If he comes back and struggles like he did a couple weekends ago, all of a sudden you're on upset watch in a hostile environment on Black Friday. And finally here, I'm going to turn to the first line. I'm going to go Lucas Mercury. You know, I think he's been really hot. I think he's been – really great as of late, you know, tied for third on the team with nine points, two goals, seven assists. So I think he's going to keep up his momentum and I think he's going to play really well this game. Like I said, it's definitely going to be a really hard fought game. We'll see which of these players shows up on Friday. Uh, John is going to be on the call for that. Uh, John, are you, do you have, do you have a partner yet? Yes, it is the one and only Maddie Poplowski in Cambridge on the call 4 30 p.m tune in black friday special only on 91.1 wmua sports best way possible we could possibly end that from uh john ruggiero noah glickman and chris vogel i am andrew golden thank you guys for listening tonight have a great evening have a great thanksgiving have a happy holidays all that yada 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 any, anyone else want to wish them a happy holidays? Yeah, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone, from everyone at WMUA Sports. And 
It's a fun time of the year getting into the holiday season and into the middle of the hockey season. Make sure to eat a lot of turkey. Happy Thanksgiving and happy almost end of the semester to all the students. Cannot wait for this one on Friday. Big game, big opportunity for UMass. Cheers.